What is our top story? Do you pay attention to phone alerts, things that come across on your phone, especially ones about the weather? We had uh, the potential for some very severe weather in southern Ontario in the western portion of the province, southwest portion of the province. Yesterday we saw uh, a number of warnings and watches. Our meteorologist Anthony Farnell was out there on our newscast last night. Fortunately, nothing really uh, materialized, but there was a lot of danger. And, you know, after the derecho earlier this year, when it blew through, I was up near Bonaco Provincial Park, and my goodness, I could have used a, a warning. There were some warnings sent out. I didn't see it on my phone. So do we need, with more severe climate issues and more storms coming our way, do we need a better way to communicate with you that, hey, heads up, something's coming your way? Dr. Blair Feltmate is head of the Intact Center on Climate Adaption at the University of Waterloo. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you very much for having me. All right. So if we are getting more severe storms over time, do we need to be better prepared in terms of communication? Yeah, the short answer is is yes. And it may be uh, the more or less along the lines of an amber alert for extreme weather. It could be an extreme heat amber amber alert. It could be a potential flood risk amber alert. But along those lines, yes, it, it can then trigger actions to be taken to to limit people finding themselves in harm's way when when the bad stuff happens. What do we have right now and, and how effective is it? Uh, right now, it's just uh, we really don't have such a system. It is the media will learn of uh, a, 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 a pending bad thing about to happen from Environment and Climate Change Canada and get the news out there. But I'm not sure it draws the same attention uh, as it would if we had it actually flashed as an amber alert for uh, extreme weather. Here's the concern that's always been there for amber alerts and the reason that yeah. we have so much discussion about what's the criteria for sending one out is the more you do these things, the less people pay attention. Is there If, if we are going to now include things like storms coming and heat alerts and all the rest. Uh, is there not just a tune-out factor here? Uh, potentially. So we can't be cavalier about these things. So we, and, and you're quite correct. We, we are not at the point yet where we've actually set what are the criteria for launching the equivalent of extreme weather amber alert for extreme heat or for flood risk, or perhaps in northern regions for communities that, that may be in harm's way relative to, to fires coming through the region. But I don't think uh, it would be that difficult to establish those criteria, but then also make sure that people just don't sort of habituate to these things and ignore them because we're launching them too, too regularly or at too low a level. So you're you're right. We we'd have to figure out the you know the appropriate cutoff. But uh, in the longer run, though, I think we're better off with them than without them. W would you see this as a, a regional situation where you know you you know if you're in Ottawa, you you don't necessarily need a tornado watch for Windsor? Yeah, that's exactly correct. So if it's if it's um, uh, flood risk, it may be a localized cell. If it's high wind in a particular area that, you know, people need to strap things down or make sure they're not out on a lake in the middle of a, you know, a, a storm of, of high wind or picture thunder and lightning, that would be localized. Uh, but on other factors, I think they would be province wide, for example, extreme heat, because it tends to, to blanket the, uh, the entire province or at least, you know, the northern half, the southern half, something like that. And, 
And by the way, this is the system now being um, adopted in British Columbia. They're uh, launching an extreme heat Amber Alert system that will be uh, province-wide. So in some cases, yeah, it would be localized. In other uh, times, it would be uh, uh, more broad-based geographically. You mentioned British Columbia. Any other jurisdictions that you see as leaders in this? Uh, no. Right now, it's, it is British Columbia uh, establishing the, th- this system. And it, that was established in response to the fact that they had 619 people die prematurely due to extreme heat in 2021. So it's sort of a management by disaster type initiative. But one of the things people need to be aware of is that uh, there was nothing particular about British Columbia that says we can only have extreme heat there. That heat wave could have hit Manitoba, could have been Ontario, it could have been uh, New Brunswick. So it should be, that's a system that, in my opinion, should uh, be set up uh, uh, rapidly uh, across provinces and territories. I, I, I get the sense, you know, we've had heat before. We, you know, we're, we're not necessarily breaking records in this current heat alert that we have here. But I think with the context of what's happening around the world, what we're seeing in the United Kingdom, what we're seeing in, in the United States, I think people are really feeling somewhat different about the heat this time around. Do you have that sense or is... You know, is this just going to be another one of these things that we just like, oh, it's hot and we're just going to move on. And next thing you know, we'll forget all about it. Yeah, no, it's the former. I think extreme heat is going to be the defining issue on climate change. For example, very often when people think about climate change, they think about floods and fires and in in the wild and urban interface, or in other words, forested areas. Uh, But when we get flooding and we get fires, uh, they're financially very expensive. But by and large, people don't die. It's maybe zero, one, two, three, perhaps four people may die in a fire or, or a flood, which not, I don't want to be indelicate. That, that would be four people too many. But when things go wrong relative to extreme heat, uh, people can die in very high numbers. For example, I mentioned the 619 dying prematurely in British Columbia last year. In uh, 2018, we had 86 people die prematurely in Quebec due to extreme heat. But in both of these cases, these people died under, quote unquote, good conditions. The electricity was running. Had there been a major electricity outage, an elongated electricity outage combined with either of those heat waves, for sure, the deaths would have been in the high hundreds and if not into the thousands. So that's point number one. Number two, it is going to get a lot hotter uh, going forward, for sure, driven by irreversible climate change. For example, for Toronto, Right now, we have about 12 to 14 days per summer where the temperature exceeds 30 degrees Celsius. Today may be one of those days. Um, by 2050 to 60 range, uh, though the number of hot days over 30 degrees Celsius is going to more than triple, uh, even quadruple, to about 55 days per summer. And the maximum daily temperature we experience in Toronto right now is around 36, 37 degrees Celsius. By 2050, that's going to go to 39 to 41 uh, degrees Celsius. And by the way, that I'm not picking on Toronto, that trend for doubling or tripling of hot days over 30 degrees Celsius, uh, that's pretty consistent for cities across Canada. And maximum daily temperatures over the next 30 years are going to creep up three to five degrees Celsius for um, major cities. Uh, Blair, I appreciate your time today. It's uh, very sobering information to try and take in. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. That is Dr. Blair Feltmate, who is head of the Intact Center on Climate Adaption at the University of Waterloo. My goodness, 
you can see why we are going to need some kind of way to communicate with people about what is coming. And not, not only storms, but also, as Blair said, the heat that is certainly going to increase over the next couple of years.